Right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting finally from Judea. That's right, last week was away on the road, and now back in the Holy Land, back in the saddle, and joined by Malka Fleischer. Yes, Shalom. here I am. Shalom to you, Malka. Shalom. Welcome back. Thank you very much. It was, what a long, strange trip it's been. It wasn't so long. It was short, but it was an unusual trip. First thing, I was in California, which always makes things a little bit unusual just because California is like, you know, it's... I've never been to California. Yeah, it, it, it's its its own other thing. It's a different planet than the East Coast. It's a different... It's, wow. a, it's a different country. It's, wow. Yeah. It's like visiting a different country. It's, oh my gosh. Yes. I got to go there. Yeah. It's its quite different. Uh, it's quite different looking. The air is different and the, and the thing is different. The the As as my friend Mayor Eisenman says, the Zach. Mm. The the thing the mm-hmm. you know the energy is different the ethos uh, and then I also got time to uh, hang out in Brooklyn and um, I'm I'm always you know I'm always taken aback by Brooklyn because it's really it's like this I said this to my mom it's like you could go to Prague or to Krakow or to I don't know what one of these one of these old Jewish quarters mm-hmm. and go see like the old Jewish quarter the mm-hmm. old Jewish ghetto or you could go see the modern one, which is totally alive and well, which is like this Alta Haim, mm. this other Jewish world. And, and and it's a big Jewish world. It's not little. It's It's got a thing. And so, you know, it's almost like we're living in two different timelines, which I think is one of the problems of our time, is that we're living in like two different timelines in terms of the Jewish people. The mm-hmm. body of the Jewish people exists on two different... Two different trajectories, kind of. Two different trajectories, but... Also, two different um, ways of relating to life is a totally different relationship mm-hmm. to life and to the place that you live when you are a citizen of a country that you have to be loyal to, or you're a sovereign and you're the boss. Right. Those are two different ways, uh, and they are both reasonable and, and and they come with their pluses and minuses. Right. They, and they both have their. That's right. And and they are both. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A legitimate, right? I, you know, I do, I I don't think that Jewish diaspora living is illegitimate. It's just that I think that we're in the time of coming home, so it becomes therefore less legitimate because you may not be living with the time. So it's that, not illegitimate, but it's less legitimate. What I mean to say is, what I mean to say is, I want to make it very, very clear because I, I don't want people to misunderstand me. But I'm not backtracking or anything. I'm just making it very clear what I'm saying. I believe that exile or diaspora living is a normative part of the Jewish experience. historical experience. Right. And and when I'm out there, I'm there to love people, embrace them, connect them, and bless them, and not to diss them. And not to tell them that they're illegitimate or anything like that. Well, also when you go out to the diaspora and you meet these people and they're so amazing, you know what I mean? It's like there's really quality yeah. Jews out there. It's not like yeah. it's not like second tier Jews are living in the diaspora. There's my there's job, amazing people out there. My job to strengthen Israel is not by bringing down other people. The point that I was saying was like there are two things happening at the same time for the Jewish people as a body. And what is a diaspora life? And the diaspora life was, 
in its in its recent past gave birth to the Israel. Mm-hmm. It gave it's birth to this time, birth to and it Israel. still gives birth to There's the Israel. There's plenty, plenty of people of good, good, good Jews out there in the diaspora that are completely fueling the engine of stuff that goes on over here in the land of Israel. You know that reminds me of something, and that those people should they cannot be minimized at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And you years ago you said that there was a difference between pro-Israel and Zionist. Right. And we identify Zionists as people who really build Eretz Israel. Right. Not just to say, I'm, I stand, I'm cool with Israel, and I, like, I raise my hand, and I'm like a thumbs up for Israel. I want person. it to, to succeed. Right. You know, no, no, no. Zionist is when you want to build it. I was on a plane, and a lot of stuff happens on the airplane, a lot of conversations. It happens to be that I had jet lag or whatever, and I wasn't sleeping. So I had conversations with all kinds of folks. I had a conversation with the elderly couple who was coming to visit Israel from Kew Garden Hills, classic Jewish couple. I had a conversation with the, with the uh, what are they called, stewardesses, but stewards, the, the, the flight attendants. Flight attendant guys. I don't believe we use stewardess anymore. No, you're right, that is, I'm sorry. Flight attendants. I'm sorry, I did not use the proper nomenclature and I'm sorry. Uh, you, we can all now retreat to our safe space and, yes. and consider. good job. Okay, but I, I'm sorry if I triggered. I, I just mean to say I was talking with the uh, what flight, did you call people. flight attendants, and I talked with them. They were very interesting. For example, that elderly couple, the Jewish lady, she was watching the map on the screen. You know when it tells you how the flight is where yeah, it is. Where you are. On so the she map. says to the she says to the airline, um, "What'd you call it? Flight attendant. <laughs> flight attendant. You still have jet lag. Sorry. Yeah, I have jet lag totally." She says. She says to him, I just have to watch the pilot make sure that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. I just I just got to make sure he's doing it right. So that without missing a beat, the flight attendant's like, every Israeli pilot needs a good Jewish muzzle to watch him to make sure he's doing it right. <laughs> it was like, it was it was comedy. It was great. I was talking to some young people who were who were like uh, wild and uh, kind of living their, their coming to Israel like on a whim. <clears throat> but I spoke to a, uh, a chassid. Yeah. A Hasidic Jew. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said to him, where do you live? And he's like, Eretz Yisrael. I'm like, where? He's like, Beitar. Oh, Beitar. We're neighbors. Yeah, we're neighbors. I told him that. And he was like, good, good, good. I said to him, I asked him, um, amongst you guys, these are, there's other Hasidim on this flight that are Brooklyn. There was a lot of, oh, it was, it was also a very praying flight. That's fun. It was a prayer flight. It's been flight. a while, probably. Yeah. I, I, you I, know, I, this was your first flight without masks, right? In a really long time. Well, I flew out to LA. When I flew out to LA, it was a non-prayer, all kinds of alternative type of Jew mm-hmm. and, and non-Jewish people. Yeah. You know, Latinos and, and, oh, and you mean Catholics. You, you took a direct flight from <clears throat> Tel Aviv to LA. To LA. It was and all, that was, it like was like all kinds of people. It was like all kinds of the, the, the non-New York type flight. Right. You know what I mean? It was, like, it was the uh, out-of-towners. Then you took, on the way back, you took the New York to Israel flight. Right. And, it was and that filled. was exactly what it is. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but there was a lot of like Brooklyn Jews. And then there was another guy, and he looked like them, but he happened to be in Eretz Yisrael Chassid. So he, I said to him, is, is living in Eretz Yisrael a value by you guys? He goes, Absolutely. It was absolutely. And then he said something to me, which, which is going to stick with me. He said, you know, the whole Kolel system, the whole support of Israel system that, you know, money is sent from outside of the land of Israel to support Torah learning the land of Israel, it's so that the people in Chutzlaretz, outside of the land of Israel, would have a merit in Eretz Israel, would have a chalik, a, a part in the Yishuv Haaretz, in, in settling the land of Israel. So he said the, the whole point of sending money is so that these people outside the land of Israel would have a part 
It's like a partnership. Right. But but the way he said it wasn't like, you know, the people in Israel need it. So the people on the outside are helping. No. It's the people in Israel are doing their thing. It's the people outside who have a a role to like this gives it them It gives them a gives them a piece. It gets them it gets them entrance. Yeah. In any case in any case there was a lot of fun stuff. Uh, the funnest thing on the whole trip for me though, uh, I did this Yom Yerushalayim special from Brooklyn. That's so I, nice, Ishai, raising to... money for all these really beautiful charitable organizations in Jerusalem. Well, it was it was a two-way street, which is my favorite way to be outside of the land of Israel, which is I like to say I give out coins, I collect coins. Right. We were giving out knowledge and and Yerushalayim. We were right. collecting, collecting stuff for the land of Israel and giving right. those people the merit. Right. Uh, I had also uh, during. And how did people respond to Jerusalem Day out there? So um, Jerusalem Day is not a major holiday outside of the land of Israel, and I feel like it could be, especially because here in Israel, it was a it, it was, was so big this year. And granted, I I keep my ear turn toward Jerusalem at all times, basically. Right. Um, as a person who used to live in Jerusalem and as a person who loves Jerusalem. You live in Jerusalem. You live in the southern, in the southern, like, neighborhoods. In Judea, yes. You li- you li- you're literally on your street. You see the Temple Mount from here. Baruch Hashem. Anyway, so uh, all I mean to say is that I keep my ear tuned to Jerusalem. So for me and for our home, Jerusalem Day is, and Bezrat Hashem will always be a big day. But I've been living in Israel now for our Nine, nine on 20 years, okay? And this t- year felt like a really big Jerusalem day. The only one that I can really compare it to so far was five years ago when it was 50 years of Jerusalem. That was a really big, that was a really big year. And it was, I think, also the same year, but definitely the same American administration that put the Jerusalem, that put the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem. And it was like a very, very big year for Jerusalem. Embassy, not the consulate. Sorry, yes. Embassy, <clears> right. Uh, and I interviewed embassy. David Friedman right. uh, for this Jerusalem oh, for 55. The, that's yeah. really, really nice. I had David Friedman on. Yeah. I had three people that I brought into the program. Four. Four people. I had David Friedman on. Yeah. Ambassador David Friedman. I had Ambassador Michael Oren. Wow. How did he do? Fabulous. He's, he's a good speaker. He's good. He's a good speaker. And, and, he, and was, he loves Israel. Oh, he loves Israel. It's, full, it's for real. Full on. No, but I'm saying like you could look at him as like one of these like system people. No, or no, whatever, no, 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 He's not a system person. He's, yeah. a, he's a full on big Zionist. Yes, he's a, as a, a shtickle more centrist because mm-hmm. he doesn't come from the orthodoxy. He comes from a different place. Right. You know, he, you know, he, he's, he's a player. A, he's absolutely a, he's a great man. I'm, I'm a big fan. I think he's also a genius in many ways. And that's awesome. I brought in Floor Hassan. She's that, awesome. How'd she do? She was great. Everybody was She's just, what a, what a nice thing that dep- she is a representative of Jerusalem. She's really. de- deputy mayor of Jerusalem. But then I brought in, listen to this, Maka, listen to this part of the story. Okay. Okay? Yeah. We're like, a few days beforehand, we're preparing this big show. And it's in Crown Heights, and it's actually produced by a Chabad person uh, named Bracha from this organization called Flow Motion Studios. Oh, cool. Flow Motion Studios. And, but, but this was her, like, Zionist, um, uh, what's it called? It's expression. Expression of her love of Jerusalem. So, she, so she's a Chabadnik with a yeah. Chab- but with a, oh, but with she a, really wanted to do something for for Yerushalayim. For Yerushalayim, okay. okay. But then I'm like, "Where's the Rebbe in this thing?" <laughs> She's like, "What?" 
I'm like, I'm like, you know, Lubav Cherebi sent, he told everybody not to be afraid during the Six Day War and started the whole famous Tefillin campaign. Right. Which they're still doing. And, that's right. And it yeah. began then. And I said to her, let's bring on somebody from here. We're in Crown Heights, a rabbi, bring somebody in to talk about the stories of the Lubav Cherebi's part in the Six Day War. Wow. And she's and like, do that? so she brought in Simon Jacobson. What? And I got to interview him. He was fire. Oh it was five gosh. minutes, five, six minutes. He was fire. And such a <gasps> so great, cool. such a great storyteller. So cool. You should put that up. Do you have that segment? Can you, know you get what? it? You know what? I want all those clips. I'm going to- I'm gonna, Yeah, contact them. That stuff should be shared with the I world. I want the clips. Yeah, I want the clips. And so and so it was It was just, it was chazak. That's beautiful. And, 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 and the Rebbe got to do Jerusalem Day. Well, let me tell you one more story about that. Okay. Okay. I say about my my I remind people of my sins. Okay, which is I can't wait to hear what the, this is. The morning of Yom Yerushalayim in America, I had this big show to get to that I was hosting, and a lot of TV work. Which is, by the way, if you if you like it, it's fun. What I to had, do to be on TV? I was on TV, and right. I was the host. I had I had two lapel mics, two separate transmitters on me. And a receiving transmitter. I took a picture of myself. I call myself Robo uh, ro, ro, Robot because I had <laughs> on my on my tuchus I had three transmitters, you know. And I was like doing the show. But that day I woke up and I still had weird jet lag or whatever. I'd flown in from from California and whatever. So I was already like all discombobulated. And instead of going to shul, here's my sin. I dive in by myself. I prayed by myself in the morning. Okay, we've all heard it. Yeah. So so. Uh, so it was Yom Yerushalayim in the morning, though. And I, I, I went outside, and I was walking to the subway, and which is, by the way, still fine, although not as fine, but still fine. In any case, I bump into a, a man I know there, and he says to me, uh, did you go to shul today? Because our shul, Davin Halal, did your shul, Davin Halal? I'm like, oh, yeah, Davin by myself. And I forgot to pray the Halal prayer, the big praise, right. you know, prayer. So he's like, yeah. He looked at me like, okay, you know, Yishai Fleischer, you're here. It's Yom Yerushalayim. Uh, yeah. You better say hello. Okay. And I'm like, I'll do it. But I'm rushing to the subway. And you know what? I forgot because I was nervous about my whole show day. I take the subway to Crown Heights. I, I walk to the studio. It took like 10 minutes from the subway. I'm walking there. And I get right into it. They're like, you got to go to makeup. I'm like, I'm sweating. Give me 10 minutes. 10 minutes. You know, they did the makeup. And, and then it was like 1030. And I was on doing pre-recorded stuff from 1030 till 230 straight do all kinds of stuff 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 and i'd forgotten to pray hala altogether I for, totally forgot about it anyway 2 30 to 6 30 there was like a no 2 30 to 4 30 there was like a break ah because they were editing and i had nothing to do so i said listen i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go shopping or something ended up that i was i i, I walked to 770 eastern parkway and here i was at 770 rebbe's chabad headquarters that's right Lubavitch chabad headquarters in, in america or, or as as very well written by a friend of mine, Beit Rabbeinu Shebebevel. That's a mm. term. Beit Rabbeinu Shebebevel. Mamash. That's it. That's that's exactly this. It it's the, one of the capitals of 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 Babylon of the exile. Uh, just in parentheses, you know, there are great leaders in the exile. Lubav Rebbe was one of them. I think Ben Shapiro. I've said <laughs> it. I've said it on the program today. Yeah. I've said it on the program before, which is I think today he's the head of the exile. In any case, uh, exile is a tricky word, you know, the diaspora. In any case, Beit Rabbeinu Shebebevel. Anyway, I'm finishing up. Uh, I get to uh, one of the side doors, and, and guess what? 
the doors were locked and there was the main door was open, but there was a women's conference. Oh. And so there was these men, uh, what do they call them? Like ba- bouncers. bouncers. Who were not letting people in. Nice. So I went to like, uh, so I, I, anyway, bef- bef- I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that, but I went first to the, the side door. I went to the side door and I tried to open it. It was locked. I didn't know that it was because right. of this conference. But um, I found myself in a kind of corner by the door and there was a bookshelf right in front of me. And there was a lot of books. And I saw this book called Ptach Eliyahu, which is a, a book of, of prayers and sayings of Eliyahu. And uh, I just opened it up randomly. I opened it up. Boom. It opened up right to the first page of Hallel. I'm like, I got, got it. it. Got the message. <laughs> Yomi Yerushalayim. Here I am in Brooklyn. At Lubavitcher Rebbe. Yeah. This, this, this whole thing. And I'm supposed to say Hallel. That's what I'm supposed to do. So I get out there. And I get out there. I stood right there. I, I even took a picture of the book just to show you. Wow. And I just said the halal prayer right there. And I said it with, with good, you know, good kavanah. Or we, you know, the Baal Shem Tov says not to say that you had a good prayer, that you, that you did your best. You never say I have a good prayer because only God can tell you if you had a good prayer or not. In any case, I did my thing. And, uh, and, then, I, and then I went out in front. And there was this like flea market of like Chabad type stuff. Oh, cool. And I looked around. Looked at, and the only thing I bought was on Yom Yerushalayim at 770. I bought a poster of the Beit Hamikdash. That's nice. Yeah, but the poster of the Beit Hamikdash. That's really nice. And I felt I felt a good energy on that. Cool. So uh, good so, stories. Yeah, it's good stories. And then now one last final story from from America. This is my last story, and that is my favorite part of the whole trip. Though that was what I just said is like holy and miraculous, and and I met wonderful people and good people along the way. Learned a lot of stuff as usual, and also practiced TV and stuff like that. All all good stuff. My favorite part of the whole trip was that I. Went and I bought a surfboard for our kids, uh, and I had to go to a surf shop in Brooklyn. And I it's went. It's pretty amazing that they have a surf shop in Brooklyn. I I also said that to them. I'm like a uh, surf shop in Brooklyn. They're like, you know, there are there actually are a lot of. It's all islands at the end of the day. There's beaches, and people come to Brooklyn to buy like serious. Uh, it was it was it's a mix, but oh, it's important to say it's a hybrid surf shop. Slash skateboard shop. Ah, <laughs> so things to stand on and move on them. Right, but there's plenty of skateboards. He told me the only problem with skateboards is you could buy one and never buy one again in your whole life because they just last. They never break these things. In any case, uh, I just bought awesome surfboard and I like took a surfboard onto the airplane, and and El Al didn't even like they didn't even the 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 airline, the the flight attendants Good did job. not did not even. They didn't even like blink. They were just like, sure, put it in the closet. And and I was able to bring a, a decent surfboard. And you know why why that was important to me, Malka? Because when I'm when I'm buying stuff in America, I'm just like, what am I buying for Eretz Israel? Like the whole time when I was holding that surfboard in my hand, I saw our beach in Ashkelon in my mind. The whole time. I was like, I held it, I felt that beach in Ashkelon. That's nice. Held it, I felt the beach in Ashkelon. It happens to be that this week's Parsha is in Israel is Naso. And Naso has the Nazir. The Nazir is the Naz, Nazarite. Not Nazarene. That's a different, that's not our program. Nazarite, okay, with love to all of my friends who are uh, into, you know, na- Nazarenes. I'm, 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 this, that's not this show. We're talking about the Nazarite. We're talking about, uh, you know, the, the guy who, um, uh, the, the person who uh, takes, an takes oath. a, right, an oath not to drink wine. Uh, cut his hair. Cut his hair or be exposed to. Uh, dead bodies, Death, yeah. Uh, but but the haftorah 
because of that is Shimshon, Samson. And Samson, to me, whenever we go down there, Samson is is Ashkelon, is Gaza City, and, and he's from there. Whenever we are, we ever we're, we're in in those beaches, I'm always thinking about Samson. He's always on my mind, you know, being down there and doing his thing. And and just I'm just saying to you that when I held that board that I bought in Brooklyn, it was not a board that I brought in Brooklyn. I felt Ashkelon. I felt Samson the whole time. Wow. And so 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 to me, just to have this thing in my hand was actually. And I always say to Hashem, I, I actually have a prayer for shopping. Very important. You have to pray for good shopping. I play. I pray a lot more for parking. Right. That's right. I do pray for shopping. Somehow I don't necessarily feel like my shopping prayers are that effective uh-huh. but my my parking prayers are pretty you know, my credit card would say otherwise but yeah. uh, <laughs> but i i would say i would say to you that that I, I i always pray i'm like i always say hashem please help me buy things that will help us in eretz israel and do our shlichut in eretz israel i always say that and in fact i just want to thank moshe herman for hooking me up with some military gear including a new vest and and an armor plated vest uh, for back and front and a new helmet, a new American uh, helmet, and and that that was uh, that was uh, an expenditure, and it was uh, it was some some serious gear. Uh, and by the way, if you want to help sponsor some of that gear, you could always do that by either going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai or to yishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. I think, and that it makes a big difference. And this was a, a good expenditure, and it was just for safety and for continued. Um, you know, I travel on on roads that there are sometimes issues on. And so it's good to have uh, defensive gear, uh, tactical gear. But in any case, my point is, is that that's that you know. So you see, I brought back a helmet and a and a and a, and a, um, a vest, uh, but I also brought back a surfboard because we are both lovers and fighters, Malka. In any case, that's well, why I, I just that, want to tell that's you. That's all I wanted to tell you from America. That's yeah, it. you you did a good job. That's the that's so that was on the America side. That right. was like the the Jerusalem and Israel experience on in America. I'll tell you that here. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to Jerusalem day celebrations in Jerusalem this year because you weren't here and you know, with the kids and like the schlepping and the traveling, I just wasn't sure if I could pull it off, but that feeling lasted for about four and a half minutes. And then I was like, of course I'm going to Jerusalem with the kids and we're going to do whatever it takes now because it's usually crowded in Jerusalem for Jerusalem Day, I decided to take the bus with the kids instead of taking my car. So we took the bus to Binyanei Haoma, the International Convention Center. And I was like, okay, great. Well, we'll just do this. And then we'll take the train from the uh, convention center down to where they're ha- King George Street, where they're starting the parade. They're starting the march. Most years when we go, we go after work for you, Ishai. So then we end up going to what's called Rikud Galim, right. Rikud, dance, de Galim, flag, flag dance, one word, they put it all together, Rikud Galim. Uh, we usually go to Rikud Galim at the Kotel Plaza. Right. Um, and we take the kids and we take flags and sometimes Shlomo Katz plays and sometimes other people play and uh, Chaim David and all these other cool people. And we dance with the flags and look at the Kotel and we do that pretty much every year. But this year... That was not my focus um, because I felt that Jerusalem had really faced a lot of um, a lot of difficulty in the last year. And I don't have a better word for it right now, except for like humiliation. 
I felt that Jerusalem had faced humiliation this year. Ooh. The way that the way that you're right. You're saying things very right, and that when when they when that when that when that when that uh, uh, the funeral. Yeah, with the funeral of, of this. What was uh, it, Shireen? This journalist. Incidentally, I saw a report that some French journalist was killed in Russia. It was this like subheadline of a subheadline. Nobody like, cares. Nobody cares at right, all, right? right? But this right. this journalist was killed in Israel. It became like front page news forever. Now, the reason I remember her name so well is because I got the kids into this. Shireen. There's that. Remember that song, Sharif? Don't like it. Rock the Cosba. Rock the Cosba. Right. So I got the kids into it because Shireen, she was uh, she was this Al Jazeera. An anti-Israel terrorist in journalist form, really. It's right. I don't to say know if that. she ever hit anyone with her hands, but she definitely worked very hard to uh, the narrative to, to hurt Jews and to inflame Arabs against Jews to destroy Israel. Right to destroy Israel. Al Jazeera works to destroy Israel. Just my point. No, what, what in that funeral? They came out of Jaffa Gate. Remember, they were right, and they they came out of ja- now Jaffa Gate. Like oftentimes, when you see like crazy videos of crazy action going down between Jews and Arabs in the old city, that is near Shar Shechem, the Dama- the so called Damascus the Gate. The so called Damascus Gate, and that is like right by an area which is heavily populated by Arabs. And if I if you can say such a thing, it's like their gate. Okay, I'm not saying I'm not giving them sovereignty over them, but I'm what saying you mean to say that is, is the gate that they they use very very frequently. They're in there's, and there's out. An Arab market there's there. a market there. It's like there's a lot of Arabs there. Right. Jaffa Gate, on the other hand, is like if you would call it like a Jewish gate. Right. It's like one of the main gates right. into the old city. It's got the Tower of David Museum. The right The Tower there. of David Museum is right there. It's right off the like the light rail. Um, and it is, it's right by Mamilla Mall, okay, the holy, holy Mamilla Mall that, that, you know, people are frequenting all the time. And so when they came out of Jaffa Gate, and it's not like, oh my God, they walked out of Jaffa Gate. You know what I'm saying? Like, how could anyone let Arabs walk out of Jaffa Gate? That is not, not, not what I'm saying. No. What I'm saying is that they came out of Jaffa Gate in a swarm of rage, hatred and incitement against jews they came out they they pulled down israeli flags they put up palestinian flags um and it was just like it was like a violent and aggressive atmosphere right and and there was an anti there is right now and the police just let it they happen. were not equipped for it right. like they were not equipped for it in every kind of way they right. just were not they did not know how to deal with that situation and they basically just allowed it to occur and everyone saw it on the news and anyone who cares about Jerusalem like us, as we established before, was just like, oh my gosh, this is something that that I don't think that has happened ever since the liberation of Jerusalem by, right. by Israel. That such a an anti-Israel element would come out of such a normalized Israeli location that's so significant to us. Right. So and and not to mention that no no I mean no violence should be happening period anywhere there no, there should not be any place in this in this beautiful holy city in the capital of Israel where any person I'm not talking about only Jews but I'm definitely also talking about Jews where people should walk and go this is too sketchy I can't walk through here because uh, my identity will get me attacked shouldn't occur should not occur that is not how Jerusalem should be run. And yet Jerusalem has faced a lot of that with bus attacks and uh, terror attacks and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so I felt that it was a hard year for Jerusalem in particular. just want to say that 
I just want to make a point on it, which is that when they came out, yeah, and what we've when and Jaffa, they, Gate. And, uh, Jaffa Gate, and they tore down the Israeli flags and put up the Palestinian flags, it was part of what's happening recently, which is a flag war. There's right. a there's a symbolic right. war, which reminds me of the song, "My Grandma Said to Your Grandma, I'm Going to Set Your Flag on Fire." Okay, <laughs> the point of that is is that like is that there is a there is a flag right. battle here. No, but there really is I just, still a battle for Jerusalem. For sure. I, all I meant to say is the Jerusalem, you're right, there's a physical Jerusalem Day battle for Jerusalem, excuse me, but there's also a sim- battle of symbols, not a symbolic battle, but a battle. Right, a battle of symbols. Of right. symbols. And all I'm saying is that contributed so much to this year's, what I sensed was this, this year's Jerusalem Day. Am I right, Malka? I think so. Um, and I just like... I felt that it was important, you know, there are people who approach Jerusalem Day and approach Israel Independence Day as celebrations of something that like, oh, thank God, you know what I mean? We got our state of Israel, or we got our city Jerusalem, and good thing that happened way back there in the past. And what I'm trying to say is that, yes, we got Israeli independence, thank God, and we got Jerusalem uh, reunified, kind of, thank God. Really incredible and miraculous. But those are not events which occurred in the past. We're dealing with that stuff today right. in actuality, in real life, not in sloganeering, not in dogma. And not in not, history books. Not And in old YouTube videos. We are dealing with it like there are human beings who are like dealing with these issues and working on them and fighting on them and losing battles and winning battles on a daily basis. And so I felt that it was important to go to Jerusalem and be part of the march this year. Right. Because I wanted the feet back in the streets. And I also wanted our children to know that they are part of this. Right. Not just that they have the merit to be a part of it, which they absolutely do, but that they have the obligation to be part of it. Like get off your butt, get off the couch, go take a like a schleppy day and get out there and go to Jerusalem and get your feet on the ground and march with the people. I like what you said just now. I, I want to make a point on that again, which is you made a distinction between a merit to be part of it, which is great, and also obligation to be part of it. Right. And those things those things go together, meaning yeah. to say like the obligation is also meritorious and you should take comfort in that. Yeah. But the merit is not without obligations. Man, you're law school. Am I like a genius? Yeah, today? yeah. You're le- <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Your law school education is like... <laughs> It's coming back to you, fused wow. with 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 the spirit of the lioness of Judah. I didn't even know. I'm Judah. a poet, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Anyway, so we took the kids, but what the 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 light rail was shut off. They yeah, had shut yeah, it yeah. down, nah. Which meant that we had to walk, me and the kids, and we have a six year old also. And I didn't bring like a stroller or anything. He's already big. We had to walk like super duper far. But what? So we're like, at first I thought, okay, we'll try to catch a bus or something. And then I was just like, whatever. I don't even know. I don't know the bus systems and I can't figure this out. And I just don't know what's the right bus to get to the right location. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of buses. You got to like, call Rachel Gvirtz. I know. She knows every bus. I know. She's like a bus knower. But I haven't talked to her in a while. So I didn't want to like call her and be like, I need something. It was That's Jerusalem day. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't take a bus, but I decided that we're going to walk. And I'm so glad that I did because everyone else decided to walk too. (laughs) Like people came in from all over the country to take part in this march and certainly on through Jerusalem as well. Yeah. And the whole train track 
which was supposed to have a train on it, had the peeps, was full of people with flags and blue and white. And this is not my first rodeo. I've done Jerusalem Day. But there was something about it this year that made me know that other people understood the situation exactly like I understood the situation, which also is a nice feeling just by itself. You bet. Like we were all, we all got it. Like this was a year that people had to show up for Jerusalem. Right. So many times I've met these like beautiful Jews in uh, the diaspora in America in particular. And they're like, yeah, you know, I live in America, but if anything was to go down, I'm like coming to Israel and I will fight for my country. And I, and I'm moved by that. And I know that they, that they feel that way in their heart, you know? Um, but this was like on a very micro, on like a homeopathic level. <laughs> it felt like that what was what was happening in Jerusalem. It's like I, I, people were like, I am showing up to fight for Jerusalem today. Uh, let me just fix something that you said. It wasn't homeopathic at all. I just mean to say wait, there wait, were wait. no, I mean, there were a few wait, little wait. fisticuffs here and there. But overall, it was like a dancing and singing march with flags. People showed up. And I just put up a video on my Twitter and on Facebook as well of like the flag dance at the Kotel. It was overwhelming and strong. And the haters and the Philistines yeah. knew. They knew that we are, that this nation isn't going down. Oh, so I want to talk about that for a second. One of my considerations in taking the kids was all this like buildup prior to Jerusalem Day about how Hamas is promising that at four o'clock they're going to be sh- showering Israel with rockets to, uh, you know, for Al-Quds, right? To def- to, for their defense of, of their concept of whatever their pr- proprietary right is over Jerusalem. And so I was like, am I going to like deal with that? Like, how am I going to deal with that? And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to deal with it. Like if there's going to be a situation, I t- and I warned the kids, I'm like, listen, like here's the situation. And if anything happens and you get on the ground and if you have to, you go to your grandmother's house. Like I'm showing you where a key is to the house. Like really, we really, really prepared for like weird and unpleasant situations. Nothing, right? Nothing doing. Our enemies just shut their dumb pie holes. <laughs> yep. They just they had no, they were they evaporated. And the reason they evaporated on that day, I mean, maybe there's other things that I don't know, but the reason they evaporated on that day is because there were tens of thousands of people. They they estimate the police gave an estimate at 70,000 people. I'm here to tell you it was not 70,000 people. Yeah. I'm here to tell you. I I didn't count them, but like there were so many people that we marched for three hours, me and these kids. And like, I I kept wanting to get them food on the way, but I was not willing to stand in like the 20 person long lines. Like every restaurant packed with people, every like French fry dispensary, just huge lines. Like there was just no, and we marched for three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. We passed so many police barriers, which I'd never seen before ever in Jerusalem, such a barriering of Jerusalem. And there was part of me that was really angry with that because it felt like they were thwarting our efforts a little bit. And there was part of me that was like, look, like uh, there are so many people. We didn't make it to the hotel. We didn't make it to the hotel. I saw videos from the Kotel, absolutely gorgeous. And yeah. at, at some point, I got so frustrated 
that we didn't make it to the hotel that I a little bit wanted to cry. I like, I'd come all this way. I tried so hard. I'm trying to show the kids something. I'm trying to let them be a part of it. And like, did we do it? No, like we kind of didn't do it. Like we didn't make it to the hotel for the dancing. Like we failed. And I'm standing there. We are knackered so tired okay right. and everyone's trying to be positive and everything but like the kids are fighting a little bit everyone's hungry i fed them weird foods along the way that i could like not stand in line Sheaf, for. Shoof. oh my gosh the what? the the uh what's that called in english uh chafing yeah the, the national chafe yeah was so great anyway <laughs> so <laughs> the outcry of the people anyway and then i just stopped and i was like kids I'm like, do you see how many people love Yerushalayim? Do you see how full Yerushalayim is? All these people, they could have all stayed home. We could have stayed home. And these people, they love Jerusalem so much that they all came out. And these are just the people who could come. There's probably lots of people who wanted to come. They couldn't come for whatever reason it was. These are just the people who showed up. And I'm like, Baruch Hashem, you know, we have a nation that loves Jerusalem. Look at how the nation loves Jerusalem. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we had to walk all the way back. And the kids were laughing. At no, like but the, the fav- my favorite part is what you told me, is that the minute you, you pulled up to the bus stop, the, the train. We knew it. The kids and I were laughing. We're like, we're going to pull up. We're going we're gonna to walk. We're going to take like our tread, our last step to the bus, and the train will pull up. That's not what happened. What happened is that we were about 100 steps away from the bus, and the train passed us. <laughs> oh god, that full of people, like with their faces pressed up against the window because it was I like love the that. first train. I love that. But anyway, it was it was, and we came home. We were so exhausted, and then we were, and then we the next day was like trashed. Like I had to recover the next day. I want to say this to you, Maka. But it was so beautiful. You know, we like it was. There was some comedy of errorsness, and and you got a ride a lot, from, a lot of from the Abelos. Yeah, we got a ride from, from Avi the great Abelo. Avi Abelo and his awesome and his wife. wife. Yeah, they're so awesome. They're great folks. And um and and in the end of the day, in the end of the day, it was just great, and I'm so pleased that we took part in it. And, um, but I think that, that our experience also has to do with like a little bit how your, what your attitude is, what your approach is. Yeah. And that's life in Israel, man. That's all of life in Israel. That's right. Has to do with how you approach it and whether you want to, whether you want to see it as beautiful and sweet and meaningful or or as well, whether you want to compare it to some other materialistic world, you know, world somewhere out there. Anyway, so it was a really, it was a really great Jerusalem day. And I was so, I feel, I really feel like something was fixed for Jerusalem. It was, and, and there was definitely a battle that was put up, and it was a, a battle of symbols and a battle of energy. And I just, I, I, I really am so thankful that the in the Islamic world there's been this so-called prophecy that Israel will be destroyed in 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm, I couldn't be happier about that, because when that, when we crush that, when that, that yeah, when that, when that, when that silly little tiny cigarette butt of a lie gets <laughs> gets gets crushed underfoot of the reality of Hashem's great thing that He's doing. And the the sheker, the lies that are just promulgated out there are just, you know, the, the, they're, they're nothingness. There's a Russian word, it's like nothingness, you know what I mean, is, uh, is, is laid bare that that will be good. Listen, Malka, um, first thing I want to tell you all about that your story right now, I want to say two words, kolakavod. Thank you. Good job, mommy. Good job. Welcome to you for schlepping out all the way to the United States of America. I did my part, nice for but, Jerusalem. but the mamas, you know, uh, educating the children and, and bringing them to, to the fight. And just like you said, not just the merit, but the obligation 
It's a great Torah, and I want to give you a big Asher Koach and a, and, a, and a Kola Kavod. May we all be blessed to understand our merits and our obligations. Amen. Um, just just very quickly, and I want to seal the deal on the show right now in this part of the show, because I have Rav, Rav Mike is coming on next uh, to get ready for Shavuot, for Seferut, uh, for the um, incredible Torah portion that we have here in Israel, which includes one of the most one of the most salient and central uh, small tight but 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 pillars of Judaism which is which is the uh, the priestly blessing in any case I just want to say that there was two more quick events I need to talk about very quickly one our son Israel and my uh, and uh, and my brothers our niece, and yes. our our niece uh, uh, Josh's daughter Josh's daughter Tali Tali had a, a ceremony at the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron to receive their chumash, their five books of Moses, their Pentateuch, their Bible, well, they their finished, Torah. They finished the Sefer Bereshit. Right, but they received the chumash. No, it's a Bereshit. Okay, sorry, sorry, that was my mistake. Right, right, right. All right, now they, right, they started Shemot. I, I saw Right, that. they started Shemot. They, but they I think finished they, don't, they just get a Bereshit or did they get a full chumash? They got none of those things. They got a certificate saying that they completed Sefer Bereshit. All right, here we go. Thank you for, for explaining that. <laughs> Fine, whatever. The point is is that they... That's not the part you were focused on. They received their Sefer Bereshit even better. That's even, that makes even more sense to me. They received their Sefer Bereshit. That's even better. They did not receive a Sefer Bereshit. Whatever, they received the certificate for completing yes. Sefer Bereshit. My point is, is, that, is that they completed it yes. uh, at, at, uh, at the Marat Machpelah, which is, what I, which is one of the things that I've always wanted to say about Marat Machpelah. This is the star's of Sefer Bereshit. Come do Sefer Bereshit. I wish we had a conference just about Sefer Bereshit and the stories of Sefer there Bereshit. There should be a Sirum Sefer Bereshit party in Hebron. Like a, like a, like a national one, maybe. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I was, I was talking about I mean, at the end yesterday. of the Sefer Bereshit, like in the Torah portion. No, 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 no. All the first graders around the country finished Sefer Bereshit. Well, the religious schools. The religious schools. Is that true? I think there might be different schedules for different kids. Uh huh. But I think there might be others that do. We can do a big thing. Oh yeah. We can do a big thing. There's lots to do. The Hebron is is only there's so much potential in that city. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I, we yeah. it was a beautiful and fabulous event. And the and, kids got and up and they performed. They performed the dances and they and they did a shinun, which is they said they said by memory. Um, the entire like end of all the blessings of the of the kids and the uh, end of Sefer Bereshit. That Jacob Jacob's blessing in Sefer Bereshit. It was fabulous. It was so, and they knew it all by heart. These little kids. They knew kids. it by heart because they they They're studied. They're six years by old. Heart. That's right. No, but I think this first grade thing might be something. That's a good idea. I like it. Anyway, let's let's remember that. And if I forget that, somebody email me. If you're listening to the show, please email us. Uh, anything that you like in the show that you want to strengthen that you think is a good idea. You know, sometimes you need your ideas sent back to you. The other thing is we went to a wedding yesterday uh, and um, I'm putting up, I'm going to put out videos of both of these things so you could get a taste of it. We went to a wedding last night in Gush Etzion at Bat Ein, uh, a wedding of, of our good friend's daughter and it was... Um, Holy moly, you guys. Whoa. <laughs> it's a little bit in, it's, it's a little bit not word no no we're not going to be able to talk about it barely. but the point is it was in a a grape vineyard. vineyard and and it was with with like with people sitting on on carpets on rugs 
and, and eating from low tables, low and tables sitting on and pillows, it, reclining the, on pillows, and like meat coming out, meat, 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 and it, these like big laffa breads, <laughs> and everyone. And then they had tables for like the grown-ups as well, where yeah. you can like sit at an actual table with actual chairs. Yeah, like amongst the grapevines, not rows. Like bunches, cl- big clusters of these grapevines, right. and and lighting, and these light and, uh, and like beautiful, like what do you call the golden what? straw all over the floor, like streams of lighting, like uh, a light. In Israel, we call that. You know what it's called in Israel? Grilanda. Really? Grilanda. I don't know why, but it's called the Grilanda. That's what that's. You know where the they have light is. bulbs on a string, and yeah. you like string it across the street to make pretty lights. Fiesta. So they had that, not in multicolors, but no. just in like warm white lights. Anyway, oh my gosh! It looked like the set of a movie. It looked like if you were going back to ancient Israel, yeah, and like going to a wedding, but not in a cheesy Disney World way. No, in a, in a in like a, I think I might have just stepped into the past. Yeah, Marcus, I you gotta say, you know what? I'm I'm putting out a video. I'll put it out on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. So join me there. I'll put out the videos. The, both of the videos. I have a video about the 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 kids singing at the Maratha Machpelah Tomb of the Patriarchs Matrix and, and I have this wedding. I have two videos to put out. I can't believe what a beautiful day, yeah, basically. Yeah. Anyway, folks, listen, I want to get to the next half uh, so the show doesn't get too long. Maka, you have something else you want to add? I just want to say that for those people who want to order um, delicious meaty platters right. and pickly platters and all kinds of stuff, the holiday's coming, Shavuos is coming. If you want to sponsor a kiddush somewhere, if no, you no, want no. to send a gift platter no, to no, a no. friend. Say it stronger. We need you to sponsor a gift platter right yes, now. For, yes, yeah. we need some gift platters. They can go to Hebron. They can go to... Soldiers. To soldiers. They can go to um, local Zionist farms. They can go to Efrat. They can go to Beit Shemesh. They can go to Modi'in. They can go to all kinds of places. Please go to Prohibition Pickle. Chaim is making delicacies that are worthy of a Shavuos celebratory meal for a kiddish, it's two days this year, that's right. so that's a lot. And as we know, um, deli holds eat. well. That's right. Pickles hold well, so it would be the perfect thing to give to somebody. Please go to pro. It's prohibitionpickle.com. Nope, prohibitionpickle.co.il. Ah, prohibitionpickle.co.il. Right. You gotta get some of Chaim's yum yums. That's right. Okay, that's right. And so uh, we we we. Uh, it's not too late. I asked him. Yeah, I said if we tell people to get platters this week. Will you be able to do it? And he's yeah. like, "Yes." Let's splatter those platters. Let's get yes. the let's get it out there. That's prohibitionpickle.co.il. Uh, of course, we have uh, other f- folks to thank, especially Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and, and Lou. When we go live, I think we're going to go live right now with um, with Rev Mike. So I hope he's going to be there. I haven't been live for a while. Uh, the last thing I want to tell you, Manka, is that whenever I go to America and I come back, I learn one thing, which is. More broadcasting, yes. More live streams, more videos, more things from Eretz Israel. People are detached. That is one of the great challenges of our time. Right, people are detached, and they're on the flip side though. There's there these sweetest, sweetest people who are just not detached, and they want to stay attached, That's and right. they want to be attached. Well said. And they should be attached. Uh, also, people keep asking me now for the summer about uh, about tours to Hebron. People turn to me from every which way. Go to hebronfund.org forward slash tour we have tours the great and amazing rabbi simcha Hachbaum and his team will tour you to kever rachel and to marat machpelah but not just like on a like a private little tour you'll be on a bus you'll be picked up at the hotel and <clears throat> and it's at least yeah, once a week like a, it's 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 vip style it's solid 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 it's the best way to see chevron uh, if you're an english speaker and you're coming in 
So there you go. Hebronfund.org uh, 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 forward, forward slash tour. Uh, thank you also to jewishpress.com for putting out our show every week and having putting out a great email. Uh, thank you very much to JNS for all the good work, jns.org, for your great news service. Uh, and there are others. The most important folks out there are you who are connected. And of course, God Almighty, thank you so much for helping us put out the show. Maka. Critical, critical announcement. Yes. I need you guys to tell me what you're making for Shavuos. That's right. Ma- Maka needs your recipes. Stat. We're going to dear, dear friends for Shavuot, and I'm so honored and proud, but they don't make a halavi meal. They don't make a dairy meal on Shavuot. So internally, I'm dying a little bit. I'm shriveling up. But I still plan on making a cheesecake or two or three to bring for Kiddush. But I want to know what are you guys making on Shavuot and what are your like tried and true. Right. I love this so much. And for the non Jews out there, Shavuot is the Feast of Weeks Pentecost uh, that you have to know out there that it is the day that we receive the Torah. We'll be talking about that next with Rav Mike Foyer. Maka Fleischer, I want to thank you so much. Yes, and welcome give you again back, a, Yishai. Thank you very much and give you a, a Baruch Hashem. You know, it's it's good to go and it's good to come exactly. back. Exactly. And it's good to be the bridge and that's a big schut. I want to thank you so much for being with us on the show. Thank you for uh, uh, for making time for us today, Maka. Of course. Lots of love, lots of blessings. Chag Shavuot Sameach to you. To you too. Uh, all right, more great we stuff really is on the way. We should receive the Torah this year in a big way. Amen. Receive it. And as you said, uh, both the, uh, 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 the, the merits... And the obligations. More great stuff is on the way on the Ishai Fleischer Show. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. We'll be right back. Don't worry. The Ishai Fleischer Show will be right back. So stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. Ben Bresky uh, has a regular corner now on the Ishai Fleischer Show with articles uh, from the past giving us a glimpse into uh, Jewish history and Israeli life. And he's got a special one today about a rabbi from Hebron coming to America in 1790. This is a moment in Jewish history. Ever wonder why the official logo of Yale University has Hebrew? Back in colonial America, many non-Jewish scholars studied Hebrew, and so when Ezra Stiles, future president of Yale and co-founder of Brown University, heard that a Hebrew rabbi from the Holy Land, as he called him in his diaries, was to arrive in the colonies, he jumped at the opportunity to meet him. Ezra Stiles was one of the many to hear Rabbi Chaim Isaac Karigal of Hebron speak on Shavuot, in 1773 at Toro Synagogue in Newport, Rhode Island. His Shavuot sermon became the first Jewish sermon published in America, with Rabbi Karegel identified as the first shaliach to the New World. He and Ezra Stiles became friends and met and corresponded numerous times. Stiles describes that Shavuot speech as follows. His oratory, Elocution and gestures were fine and oriental. It was very animated. He exhorted them not to perplex themselves with traditions and criticisms, but to attain to certain capital points and principal points of religion. Here is how Stiles described the young rabbi leading a Purim service. There I saw Rabbi Karagal, lately from the city of Hebron, the cave of Machpelach in the Holy Land. He was one of the two persons that stood by the chazan at the reading desk while the book of Esther was read. He was dressed in a red garment with the usual phylacteries and habiliments, a white silk surplice. 
He wore a high brown fur cap and had a long beard. He had the appearance of an ingenious and sensible man. On another occasion, Ezra Stiles wrote, This afternoon the rabbi came to visit me in company with Mr. Aaron Lopez. We conversed largely on the Gemara, the two Talmuds, of which he prefers the Babylonish, the changes of the Hebrew language in different ages. The rabbi's dress or apparel, common English shoes, black leather, silver-flowered buckles, white stockings. His general habit was Turkish, a green silk vest or long undergarment reaching down more than halfway the legs. When he came into the synagogue, he put over all the usual alb, or white surplice, which was like that of other Jews, except that its edge was striped with blue strakes and had more fringe. He had a white cravat around his neck, and had a long black beard, the upper lip partly shaven, his head shaved all over. On his head a high fur sable cap, exactly like a woman's muff, and about nine or ten inches high. The aperture atop was closed with green cloth. He behaved modestly and reverently. Rabbi Karagal was born on October 15, 1733 in Hebron, as part of the Sephardic community. In 1754, he set out on a series of voyages on behalf of the Jewish community, including two years in Constantinople, two years in Carasso, four years in his native Hebron, and then two and a half years in London, one year in Jamaica, as well as Suriname, Barbados, New York, Philadelphia, and Rhode Island. Much more than just a fundraiser, he was asked difficult questions of halacha and was requested to resolve communal disputes and problems. He would also check into the status of the local Jewish institutions with suggestions on how to improve them. Ezra Stiles and Rabbi Karegal met 28 times before his departure. They discussed the politics of the Holy Land and Kabbalah. Rabbi Karagal also tutored styles in the Hebrew language, to the point that they were to correspond extensively in Hebrew after Rabbi Karagal's departure. One particular letter sent by Stiles in 1775 contains a moving depiction of the Battle of Bunker Hill in Boston, a prelude to the American Revolution. After settling in Barbados, where he was hired to serve as chief rabbi and teacher at the Beit Midrash, Rabbi Karagel felt financially secure to finally bring his wife and children from Hebron to Barbados. But before he could realize this goal, he contracted a disease and died in 1777, buried in the cemetery of Bridgetown, Barbados. Ezra Stiles, who had become president of Yale College, the precursor to Yale University, wrote to Aaron Lopez in 1781 that the affectionate respect I bear to the memory of Rabbi Karagal has made me wish that his picture might be deposited in the library of this college. Today, Rabbi Karagal's portrait is still in Yale, as are the collection of letters between the two. His famous Shavuot speech was republished in 1976 to mark the bicentennial of the United States of America. Toro Synagogue in Newport is the oldest synagogue building still standing in the United States and can be visited today. This has been a moment in Jewish history. All right, folks, that was Ben Bresky giving us a great uh, window into the past and understanding of our present and a vision for our future. Thank you very much, Ben. 
And now uh, let's do a segment with Rev Mike Foyer, who joins us on the program. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. I am joined by Rev Mike Foyer. Rev Mike, shalom and welcome. Shalom, Yishai. It's good to see you. It's great to see you. We were having a little bit of technical difficulties because we are doing this live right now, and we haven't been live on together for a while. People in America were complaining, um, so I was—I uh, just came back from uh, a, a little trip on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Uh, got to see the Jews, and I did—I did Yom Yerushalayim from Brooklyn, and and Ooh. it's like you know, like 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 five years ago, I did Yom Yerushalayim from Australia, and it was like the day that Jerusalem Day. Uh, that that the embassy was moved uh, was that Jerusalem Day? I don't remember, but it was the day that they yeah, moved the embassy like to um, to 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 Jerusalem. So I was like in Australia watching it and and being like a shaliach out there. And this year also, what a what an energy there was, and amazing videos uh, of of the incredible energy of of Jerusalem Day in Jerusalem this year. You were there as well, is that right? Yes, in fact, you know, I have to tell you that it was it was like. It was Shemaim. There was a it was a power and a sweetness to it that I you know as far as I'm concerned, the absolute obligation is to just go to Jerusalem on Jerusalem. I mean, there's many things you can do, and there's prayer and there's a hallel and that, but but I have to admit, I, I'm very busy and, and I get a little tired, and part of me was a little bit cranky, and I was like, I'm not gonna go to Jerusalem. And I just kicked myself in the tush and said, No, no, you must go. And just the the joy of Am Yisrael gathering in Jerusalem, the dancing in the streets. Dancing in the in the Rovio, it was really it was just a fantastic thing, not to be tarnished by you know the you know over focus on like the negative energy that that not only the media forget the media but even amongst our own people people you know uh, a little bit you know it's true one fly can spoil the ointment but I just feel like there's this obsessive need to make ourselves feel bad in these moments where we should let ourselves actually feel free. Well, I would say first thing. First thing before we go on, I, I want to thank Lou, who is with us on the uh, on the live stream right now. And I just want to ask Lou, uh, how does the sound and how's Rev Mike's volume? Uh, I'm hearing it a little bit low. Let me know if it sounds right. So you're always on my that. case for volume, man. You're always yeah, on my just, case. I, I want to hear you. Is that is that a sin? Uh, the other thing is that uh, there are elements within our society that indeed want to they want they want to pop the balloons. Uh, they're in our society. They're they're also certainly in the anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian camp. That they want to pop that, the that's balloons. That's a given, but it's within right. it's within Am Yisrael that it really hurts the heart. Well, those are people that are a lot of times are very nervous about the expressions of Jewish power. They're the ones that are actually nervous about Jews doing exactly what they did in this Jerusalem Day, Jerusalem Day, which is a kind of response to the anti-Israel, anti-Israeli flag, uh, Palestinian replacement. Uh, flagology that uh, that has been happening in Israel, and yeah. and there was no question that indeed it was a show of strength. It was, was like force. a no question, yeah, show of force. It was like a type of like military parade. Except so, uh, so I, I want to sharpen tanks, that. It was with flags. So, but I want to sharpen that because part of the problem and, and the place where I think it does grade into just um, like bad behavior is is the fact that that we don't have leadership that's giving a vision of how to channel that in a constructive fashion. So, like, I'm looking around at all these 18-year-olds, and I'm thinking, of course they're turning into yahoos when they get overexcited. Because that's what an 18-year-old does, unless there's someone with a little bit more wisdom and vision to say, listen, take that exuberant 18-year-old energy, and, and we got what to build. We have where to go. 
And so while while everybody's responsible for their own behavior, and yeah, I, I listen, I didn't see anything myself, but I'm sure there, you know, there was bad behavior here and there. And but but my point is is that I place the responsibility for that squarely upon our lack of leadership. Because because the, the energy but, there. But, but why are you going the, there? I understand why you're going the, there. There was beautiful. Because behavior. I want people to understand. Because I want no, people to understand. But the whole point is, is that there wasn't there wasn't a lack of there was there was a plethora of great behavior. It was awesome. It was, it was amazing. Good. And that's you know maybe I'm not making my point clear. Is that's why I don't care about the the anti-Israel crowd. They make no difference to me. I'm talking about within Am Yisrael, people who were who good-hearted people, people who who share the vision, who like they they let these these small things ruin like you said it bursts the bubble so like i like everybody's responsible for that in their own right but but i have a bone to pick with our leadership which which isn't getting out in front and saying look at this energy this energy can change the world and and we're gonna harness it and focus it and 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 build with it and, you know and i just I, that's the piece that i walked away with saying oh let's not miss this well, I would say to you right now, at least the way I feel it, is that leadership is actually becoming, uh, at, at least at this era, this period, less important um, and and less prominent and less, um, we respect leadership a little bit less. Maybe that's okay. Maybe what we need actually is more of a people's <sighs> movement than really a top-down movement. I think that's what this Jerusalem Day was. It was in part a bottom-up thing where people were like, no, Am Yisrael Chai, we're not going to allow uh, our town to be replaced with Palestinian flags. We're, we're not going to do that. We're going to we're gonna show up in force and we're not going to, like the leaders are not going to be the dictators of, or they're not going to put out dictates of, of, of what our culture, what our peoplehood is. And it's, and it's despite and in spite and, and actually like we, the people it's, there was like a, we, the people feeling, phrase. huh? Yeah. To borrow a yeah. phrase. Yeah. Although it, it the, one of the challenges there is, it's a it sadly it's a subset of the people, right? And, and, and like this discourse, which I'm sure you've seen in the media about Yom Yerushalayim being hijacked, right? Which I just find so offensive. It's like it's been hijacked. It's the only people that care about it are the ones that are doing something with it. It's like you would claim it's been hijacked all you want, but you, you, there's no hijacking when somebody else can't be bothered to actually come to Jerusalem and celebrate the return to our capital city after two thousand years of exile. There's, yeah. there's no hijacking involved. Well, the but, only thing I, I need to correct you on is that you said you said I'm sure you've seen the media discussion on it, and the answer is I haven't. I haven't even a little bit, not even a tad. Why? Because I don't care, and I haven't been paying attention to it. I really have not been reading the news. I've been very involved in my trip and coming back and and getting ready for Shavuot and getting ready the tomb of Rut in Ishai, which we're going to have a big kiddush there uh, on Shavuot, uh, and nice. and just like I'm just like. I'm like, I've come to the realization that like, I'm less interested naturally. And especially now I'm less interested in that discourse. I know who these people are. They're the ones, they are the pundits that want to burst the bubble. And I'm right. just not, I'm not there. I'm, I'm, I am an activist on the bubble making side. Okay. So, <laughs> you know and I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to like, I know what the, they're Keep the other your side. Resume. You should have I'm just saying, like, maker. I'm just not, I'm just not paying attention to them. So I haven't paid attention one bit. M much more interested, and in, I just put out another video from Jerusalem Day just now, even though it's past Jerusalem Day. Just like, just want to show people the power, the 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 energy of it. Forget it. I'm not, I'm not going to enter into a discussion with the with the people who their their whole thing is to make war against that energy and that excitement, and which is really, if you think about it, a type of Amalek energy, it's just trying true. to burst the bubble.
and and I think I need that Mozart because I, I I let it get a little to heart this week, which is why it was so soothing for me and enlivening to actually be in the city and feel. I mean, it was a energy that I have actually probably never felt in Jerusalem. Right. The, the, That's the, right. The extent it was like an upwelling. Right. It was, and, it was, and 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 that was mostly for religious Zionists and Zionist type folks. There wasn't a lot of black hatters, but the black hatters. The Haredim, they're going to come out and show that same energy this Shavuot. Shavuot oh, yeah. in the morning, I expect tens of thousands at oh, four easily. in the morning to roll into the old city, and especially through the Shechem, uh, Damascus, so-called Damascus Gate. And I think there's going to be tremendous energy from that side of the Jewish people. Yeah, and, and and you know, in a certain way, there's a deep connection between the two because the the I was speaking actually to to a client about this just the other day. Is that you know. 3,300 plus years ago was Matan Torah, right? The giving of the Torah. But every year what we celebrate is Kabbalat Torah. Is we celebrate receiving the Torah. Why? Because God only gave it once, so to speak. But our task every year is to receive it anew. Because that process deepens our attachment. It expands our capacity. It does many things. In the same way, you know, on Kachet Iyar in, in 1967, God gave us back Jerusalem and we fought for it in everything. But but really it was a divine hand in my eyes. But usually Jerusalem Day is about us receiving it anew every year, rejoicing in it, deepening our attachment to it, expanding our capacity to make it meaningful. Right? So so I think there's an important parallel to what you're pointing out. Yeah. And, and I, I I oftentimes think that the ultra Orthodox world mirrors the Zionist world just in their own way, you know? So like Lagba Omer is a celebration that is not very different than Yom Atzimut. It's the return. One is the return to our embodied land. The other one is the return to our Torah knowledge here in the land of Israel or to our Torah culture. So it's like, it's just a different, you know, a different uh, vantage point on the same celebration. And so Shavuot is, is a vantage point. By the way, on Shavuot, a lot of ultra-Orthodox Jews go to another part of Jerusalem, which is uh, the tomb of Samuel. Samuel the prophet, and he oh, yeah? overlooks that. Jews. That's his yurt site, and the place is packed. Shavuot is Shmuel Navi's yurt no, site. No, 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 no. the the Yom Yerushalayim. Oh, you said on Yom Yerushalayim. That I knew. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, everybody like piles. So all the black hatters pile into uh, this 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 uh, pillar of Jerusalem. The over at the top of remote this overlook on all of Jerusalem called the Tomb of Samuel or Nebi Samuel. And the, the prophet Samuel, and, and like that's their way of expressing that same thing. The bottom line is the Jewish people are back in the land. Um, we have, um, and we're celebrating it, uh, and we have a conflict right now, and that conflict is both a physical conflict and a spiritual conflict. Always. Um, we, have, uh, we have a Torah portion here in Israel, which is Naso, which we're going to read right before uh, Shavuot. It's Wait, got did, really... you miss, did you miss any of the readings? Yes, I, I missed, that's right. I missed sixth Aliyot of, uh, of Bamidbar. Wow. Yeah, that's bizarre. It is. Not only is it bizarre, but it is. Uh, it is also. It's just. And my friend Mayor Eisman says we've got to work hard to to instead of. There's this Jewish custom of bridging that gap as late as possible. Yeah, I'm as not possible, sure why. We, I've never. Somebody was why. explaining it to me that it's something to do with uh, with with Bamidbar being right before Shavuot, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's just like, it's not the way to do it. We we really need to bridge those. Ga- we need to. Bring that uh, that that the Torah. And also, and, is Devarim right before Tisha B'av? 
Right. Okay. But we need to bring that, that we need to be together. That's one of the most important things. And today it's so meaningful because a person like me who's flying misses a Torah portion. And also it's very hard to, to send out a, a podcast or a video about the Torah portion because we're talking about different. And we, we, we really have to minimize as much as possible things that keep us uh, culturally uh, separated. And you got to work on things that keep us culturally connected. Uh, and, and indeed, what, one thing I can tell you for sure is that Yom Yerushalayim in Brooklyn ain't no Yom Yerushalayim. You know, you cannot really feel it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was like, man, we should make Brooklyn like a sister city of Jerusalem. Or at it least the be, neighborhood. It should be. Well, there's a lot. Yeah. There's, yeah. We should partner <laughs> these things. You know what I mean? They should know. And, and it could be that the, for, the, for the black hat Jews... Yom Yerushalayim is a is an easier one to celebrate than Yom Atzmaut. Oh, no question. I mean, right. No question. You know, because right. it, it, it's about the the soul returning to Kali Yisrael, and not just the goof. You know, there's uh, and also uh, let's face it: anybody who can't appreciate the fulfillment of longing of two thousand years needs to ask themselves where they are in the story and just be blunt about it. You know, even well, if you got pig pook in right. this, well, I, 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 but I think there's an answer to that, which is they are actually at a different part of the story. Okay, so but where? Yeah. I didn't say they, they have to ask themselves. They're, if they're in they, they, where are they in the story? They're continuing that that other trajectory. <sighs> I mean, right? The, history says the, that they're really well. you know, <laughs> they're living in a different trajectory. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, so I I, I I had to deal with this anti-Zionist rabbi, anti-Eretz Israel rabbi. Um, it was, it was, it was rough for me. And, uh, and, um, and it was like, it was like, the truth is I, I had to tell him thanks because he really heated me up. He got uh, right under my skin, his like subtle anti-Israelism. And, and the next day I had to go, that was in Shabbat. And the next day I had to go for this broadcast and he just lit a fire under me being like, I, I like got to do as much as I can to, to well up the spirit of, of Jerusalem day in Israel here, here in the diaspora. Uh, so he really heated me up. Um, and and you know what? I went into his synagogue. First thing I noticed was that I'm like, I think, they, no, I didn't. It wasn't the first thing. It took me some time. But then I'm like, wait, the Aaron Kodesh is facing south. It was facing the wrong direction. That's just weird. Uh, well, you know, it was, you know, uh, you know, a, uh, a problem of architecture or something like that. Yeah. Although to me, although I looked at the building and I'm like, there should have been no problem at all putting this. This I mean, it definitely happened, isn't it? Why you? There's like uh, at why you? There's that thing also. That's right. Yeah. That was a that was that was a bane. That was the definitely an issue. That that always bothered me a lot. And I and I would you say I would say you see you see you guys are facing <laughs> the wrong way. Um, but uh, but here also, you know what? It has an impact. If you don't like, if you're not oh, yeah. like, ooh, I gotta I gotta turn my my heart and head towards of course towards Jerusalem. Why else would the Gemara tell us that there is a kivun tefillah that there's a way in which we face? I mean, it goes to the heart of it because in the same way a person might say, "What God is everywhere. There's no issue in your where you're physically positioning. You're praying. It's a it's a spiritual pursuit." In the same way, people don't understand. Like you know what you know you're gonna live in a country where there is an army and a government and trash collectors and that can't be holy. That's a physical thing. It's a it's the same stake, just of a different scale. Right. But you may think that it is physical, but does not impact your psychology or spirituality. Well, then you and you know I think about psychology or spirituality. In my humble opinion, do you think that the physical doesn't impact? I mean, come on, the physical impacts everything. It's where the tire hits the road. 
Well, I want to say to you, I'm opening up my phone here. In my Torah section on, on Torah like folder on my phone, uh-huh. I have this app, which I like so much, which is this uh, direction of prayer. Uh, you, got okay, the Jerusalem, uh, you got the Jerusalem compass? Yeah. It's called direction of prayer, this particular app. It's a direction. It's interesting what it, the language. It says direction. Can you switch between Jewish and Muslim? What's that? No, no, no. It's it's direction of prayer to the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. So it's pretty it's pretty serious, and it's uh. Well, you know why I asked because the Muslims have the same thing for Mecca. So I was wondering, right? what's the, was the app a Jewish app or is it a universal app? No, like this, this particular one Muslim is one hundred percent a a Jewish app, uh, and it's got uh, and you got to turn on the GPS to make sure that it's right now. It still has me as a hundred what. And in East 28th Street in Brooklyn, in Kings County or something like that. God it has me It has me in the wrong thing, but it's going it, to – I think it has some spiritual jet lag. So when this thing wakes up and realizes where we are – Even the best of us Sometimes suffer, suffer from, from that kind of jet lag. <laughs> um, again, I'm asking folks that are listening right now if, you, if our volumes are equal, uh, let me know how it sounds and how it looks, and I really would appreciate that. Um, we have a, a Torah portion that has in it, uh, I think, two really important uh, – you know what? Maybe for a Torah portion, maybe we should just talk about Shavuot. I guess if we're already in that swing, if we're, you know, if we're already talking about some, everybody, you know, is bridged on 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 Shavuot. So maybe we should just talk about Shavuot for a second. Um, I just want you to know that right now I'm organizing, helping organize a big kiddush that's going to be happening at the tomb of Ruth and Ishai in uh, in Hebron, and it's going to be a big fat kiddush. We're going to make awesome. it big and beautiful. So I'm excited. Um, I, I, and if you want to be part of that, you could definitely help sponsor part of that. That that would be really fun. Um, and uh, we're going to be reading the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is one of the most, um, there's, there's almost no harshness in it, right? There's like a harshness in that, in that the, the this uh, leader of the Jewish people at a time of crisis leaves. He leaves the land of Israel. That's Elimelech. His sons die. Um yeah, it was and his, almost no harshness. I mean, the front loading of the harshness. Right. You get it all one, two, three. Right. It's very fast, right? Yeah. Oh, but brutal. But brutal. He dies. Yeah. His sons die. His wife is left in abject poverty with their daughters-in-law. And so right. the barefoot goes humbly back to the land of Israel. And then the story starts, so to speak. Right. But that's like what? That's not like two verses, right? Like the first. It's a little bit more than two verses. But yeah, it's definitely. It's just like, bang. It's just like, lets you know, bad stuff happens. It's happened. the frame for the story. Right. Uh, and then this this amazing person named Ruth, who's coming from a a nation that's in some ways one of the most disattached nations to Israel, one of the most like harshly distanced nations. Sure. Uh, she Dafka uh, is the one that's going to carry in her the ability to to give birth to the the, the ancestry of King David. Absolutely. I mean, and that's a classic theme within Torah really throughout is this idea that there's a piece of redemption which comes from outside, right? The Chachamim say, right? The prisoner can't free himself, right? They, 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 on some level, redemption is a gift. We do the work, we prepare ourselves, and we certainly, it's not going to happen without our efforts. But there's an element of it, like prophecy, which you can do the work and prepare yourself, but it's a divine grace that actually brings about redemption. And I think that that's part of what you were also moving toward in the sense of the sweetness of the book, it's like, yes, the frame is very harsh. In the same way that the frame of life, let's face it, nasty, brutish, and short, Hobbes wasn't just talking about nothing. But the reality of life is how you choose to make it. And the reality of life can be sweetness. 
And so you see in this frame, Ruth's power is that she maintains her chesed, her, her, her sort of boundless generosity and loving kindness, right? And her choice to give herself to her people, to her mother-in-law, to, to, to God. And that what and comes boss. out of that, and the boss, and the right. boss, and, and, that, and that what comes out of it is redemption, kingship, right? Not redemption in the abstract, but redemption in the grounded physical sense, a king who can bring order and peace and prosperity to the people who can lay the groundwork for the temple, which connects heaven and earth. I mean, it, it's about as big as it gets. Yeah, I, 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 I got to tell you, for me, Shavuot is like, I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm just crazy about this holiday. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a it's like some kind of like call of the blood. It's like I like I like I just I, I go kind of like you. haywire about it. Really, it's like it's like a thing for me. It's like a Shavuot. I'm like that's my like in in many ways that's my biggest holiday of the year in my heart. Like for me, I'm just like so great. <laughs> so, so maybe you have an answer for my question. It's a personal question, but 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 I think you could also connect it to Torah, which is that classically Shavuot is that Chag which has no characteristic mitzvah, no characteristic commandment, right? I mean, you know, on on Sukkot we wave the, the lulav, we sit in the sukkah, and the, uh, on Pesach, of course, there's matzah and the seder, etc., etc. Shavuot. So what what's what's the avodah? If you mm-hmm. feel such a deep passionate connection. What either for you personally, or what do you see to be the avodah with a capital V? Well, I'll answer you uh, on the very personal. Please. Uh, one of the main things for me on this holiday is actually to go to Yerushalayim mm. and to spend it in Yerushalayim. That's like one of because. the main avodah. That, that's the truth. That's I'll, I'll like, like it's a little secret yeah, of mine. Sure. Like, I do not. I can I can go to Hebron. I can stay here. I like go to Yerushalayim. That's that's number one. And yeah. then I also try. Uh, to go to the Temple Mount if I can. That's another one. Um, and this year I'm planning to do that, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, but the other thing is um, uh, the Avoda is um, is to try to imagine uh, Mount Sinai standing at the foot of it and then and then fully accepting it. It's fully accepting it is that like, the, you know, first thing, the Avoda of Shavuot is, is, a, is, a, is the 49 days towards it. So it's like in, in many in many ways it's not a bang. Here's what you do on this holiday. It's right. it's, it's it's a, a culmination. It, it it leads you through you know Pesach Sheni, Lag Bomer, Yom Atzmut, Yom Zikaron, uh, and 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 Yom Yerushalayim. Like it's all like a culmination of it. So that's that's part of the avoda. Is like a lot of times like basically like Shavuot. If you did forty nine days, like Shavuot comes in automatically. Whatever happens, like happens without you, like you, you, you kind of led up to it. So that's that's number one. The other thing is, and Rabbi Nachman says this also, mikvah, mikvah shavuot, like at four a.m. Um, and uh, and really like standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and trying to receive the Torah. That, that's that's basically it. I also try to meet friends, oftentimes give a little class, um, something like that, and just. I try not to eat too much uh, of the of the milk stuff, which you're you're supposed to do. But like, I start to get funky stomach if I eat too much uh, milk stuff. Uh, but uh, I I th- I th- I think in part I think in part the answer is that the reason that it doesn't have commandments and and physical stuff to do is exactly that. There's something that is not framed for you. There's something that is not going to be. That you're not going to get like a, like exactly the feeling like I hit the spot I got to the place. There's something mm-hmm. that kind of like happens, and that's the point. It's it's like like a little bit like 
there, there, is, there is no open. exact words for it. There is, there, there's something mystical that's beyond, and it's not going to be framed for you in a very physical way. It's going to be, you're not going to know exactly that you ate the matzah. You're not going to know that you shook the lulav or you had the etrog. You're not going to walk around, you know, the, the bima. You, you're not, that's, it's, it's a holiday that's not that. It's something ineffable, you know, unsaid. Um, uh, it's, it's a feeling and, and, a, and a worship that is just, it's hidden. It's a hidden holiday in that sense. I, I, I but in terms of imagination, in terms of uh, guided uh, meditation, I think that standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and, and trying to receive the Torah and trying to receive it anew, as in I'm back there, but it's being done right now. And if I could stand here at the, at the foot of Jerusalem and be like, here we are as a nation receiving this thing, and like let it, you know, let me hear it, let me hear Naseh Nishma at the same time, let me let me get those Ten Commandments, let me. Imagine that. Oh, you just reminded me that I, um, I you reminded me that uh, about a mm-hmm. few months ago, like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I was with, I think I told you, I was with my son in the mikvah. We went to the mikvah and, and I'm sorry, I know this sounds funny, but I saw a dude with a tattoo of the Ten Commandments on his back. Okay. Not on his backside, but on his back. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I, <laughs> I snapped a photo of it. <laughs> Right, that's okay. We're um, now I'm getting uncomfortable. We've moved beyond. I'm sure. telling you, it wasn't comfortable, <laughs> but it was awesome, you know. And and I I just and, I just and said, criminal probably. Well, you see nothing of him other than that it's is a back and that's it. There's no identifi- identifiable marker. Uh, but the point the is, I was large like, tattoo this- of the Ten Commandments, which is not an identifiable marker. Well, yeah, oh, probably well, his uh, family uh, will yeah. know. But I'm saying <laughs> you'll never know who it is. Uh, my my point is is that you know I thought to myself you know. And of course, there's an irony because you're not supposed to do tattoos. Uh, that's against the Torah. But uh, there's an explicit you know, commandment about that. Yes, but I understand that the Gemara has has a discussion where other opinions are like you're not really allowed to make a tattoo of only, you know, there, of a is, there, you know, as is true of our tradition. Thank God, you know, room to move there. But there's a very strong, I would say, um, both legal and cultural flow that that is not within the bounds of, of what Jews do or what is permissible, even though we see that body art is flowering even in our fair country here. That's right. That's right. And it's definitely a problem. But uh, but anyway, I did get to see I get to, I got to see a Jew who put it, you know, I guess before he was like, you know, a fully observant Jew, he was I'll on the way. And that's, he, he had already tattooed himself. Uh, with with the Ten Commandments, may we may we put them not uh, through ink, let them but, be engraved uh, on our hearts, exactly, exactly. And, and not on our backsides. <laughs> That's right. <Sorry. laughs> uh, I think exist. that I wish I heard you a little bit louder. Still, I got to tell you, I'm I'm really like struggling to hear yeah, you 100. percent Yeah, and you're making me feel bad too. Thank you very much. I'm no, really no, sure God forbid, God forbid. You I don't really know good. what to tell you since I, since I'm about as close to this mic as I can get. My sense yeah. is that this microphone. You know, we should have checked the computer settings. Prime. We should have checked the early computer settings. We forgot to check the computer settings before the show. Uh, in any case, or if you guys hear of Mike, that's all that matters uh, to me. Um, um, I was telling Malka earlier in the show that one of the things that I did was I picked up a surfboard in America uh, for the kids. And as I was walking around with the surfboard, I was constantly thinking that I'm going to get, you know, the kids are going to use the surfboard uh, in um, uh, in Ashkelon. And when I was thinking about Ashkelon, I was thinking about Samson, Shimshon. And, Shimshon and, and Ashkelon. Thinking, 
Right, that's did right. I get, did I get any louder there, by the way? Just yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I just went and checked the settings. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you quite much better. Okay, look at that. Yeah, it's good. You that's, ask that's a, and you shall receive. Thank you, Lord. There's a Torah for you. Let me hear you the rabbi receive. louder, please. Like, no problem. <laughs> it's just a setting. Okay, great. Uh, thank- like, I feel an inspiration. That's right. So ask alone. <laughs> um, and we anyway, the point is, is that we have a Torah portion that that reminds us of of the great Samson, uh, this 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 unusual hero who who, you know, with 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 unusual physical strength is able to do feats uh, that are surprising, including not just not just physical strength, but also agility to be able to catch foxes and to tie their tails, tie together. Their tails together. Right. What's what's With that the about? Torch in between. Yeah. The torch Have you thought about that? What's 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 tying two foxes' tails together? What do you think about that? Is, do you have a thought I, I think, on that one? I mean, I think that if you wanted to destroy a large area with fire you couldn't think of a better way to do it i mean where you're gonna come across that many foxes i'm not sure um you know it has that taste of the mythic which sometimes creeps into you know uh, certain aspects of the tanakh which i i love right because we we live in a world in which a fox is an abstraction although i happen to see my local fox here on a regular basis, we're quite close. Yeah, yeah. Foxes um, are not such an abstraction. You see them; they're around. You see them, but 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 apparently, Sneaky little in things, time, aren't they? Well, fox even. Um, the the I think in Shimshon's time that this represents um, a certain wild energy, right? Because his whole life is about harnessing of wild energy. And, and the fact that it can be destructive and constructive both at the same time, right? Notice he's he's so often involved in destroying things, but he's doing it for the sake of the preservation and the advancement of of uh, of Am Yisrael, right? So so he's harnessing the wild as he does within himself to bring about destruction of the enemies in order to bring a greater sort of order. Although in the end, it's a, a pyrrhic victory, right? He destroys himself. In that last, because he's unable in a certain moment to tame the wildness within. Right? So I think it's, it's part of the theme of his whole story, which is that strength in the mind of the Torah. Right? Who's really mighty? Not just the guy who swings his spear over 300 dead like the heroes of David's time, but the one who can master themselves. Now, the two aren't mutually exclusive, remember. It's important to remember that. This is not a, a sort of a, a pacifist sense of like master yourself and uh, don't worry about the world. It's, no, master yourself and that will allow you to truly assert your will over the world. But if you don't master yourself first, then you're toying with destruction. Right? And I think that that's a lot of Shimshon's story. He's also very much like the Zionists who came in and showed the Jews that it's that we need strength. And that has to come back into our psyche. One of the subplots of the Samson story is that the Judeans are willing to willing to sell him out, to tie him up and sell him out to so give he, him over to the Philistines. Because right. he's making waves. Like, What's that? Because he's making waves. He's making waves. And they're just like, don't. And they say to him, don't you know that the Philistines rule us? Yep. And yep. he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm a plug in. I'm a plug in. To help you remember what Jewish strength is, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm here to breed back in that that uh, missing component, and it's going to take some super strength. But you're going to see what a hero looks like, and it's going to get your imaginations going about what can be. And and it's an important sort of uh sort of 
cautionary tale, Musar Haskil, which is that even the necessity, and not just the necessity, but the Shimshon, the reason you mentioned it, if people miss the link, is a is a Nazir from birth, right? He's a he's a uh, he's sacred, devoted, he is literally devoted property from birth, not his choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um and even that, you just understand that 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 power has a destructive side, period. You can't get around that. And 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 this is one of the the most paralyzing elements of I think our relationship to power today is that as Jews we have such a long culture and especially in the Western world where we've like adopted a, this moral posture that that is today like in the postmodern discourse like all power is bad, power equals evil, you know, and and that you're either a victim or a perpetrator, and yet Shimshon is a hero. Right, something that the that the postmodern world dismisses because the hero is just a villain with good PR, right? I mean, he can't actually be serving good, and we're not even to discuss what he's serving. We're gonna see see the consequences, see, see, see all these people that died, see all that destruction. They say it must be bad. And the answer is, well, yes, and it's it, it's consequences may be messy, but he was sacred from birth. I mean, right. power is sanctified when used in the service of God. That doesn't give you the license to do whatever you want, because look what how he ends, but it also doesn't give you a license to be a coward or retreat from the reality of power. I'm not sure that I exactly agree with the sense of how he ends as being tragic. I'm not sure about that. I think how that else in would you a- characterize suicide in service of the destruction of your enemies. Well, I would say, and I, th- I can bring other examples of that from the Tanakh, uh, that he belonged to a period of time and he brought down the house literally uh, with his enemies, and in a sense gave. You know, it, it was it was that's he didn't belong to the next thing. He belonged yeah. to that end of that scene. He came that's to the actually world. Not, that's not the tragic element in my eyes. It's how he ended up there, which is tragic. Ask yourself, right. what if Shimson had had the self control to not tell Delilah the source of his strength? No, but but see, no, but that was also part of the ruse. It, it, it almost the text kind of tells you like she's just mm. annoying him to death, and yes, he's being annoyed, but it's like, well, uh, it's an interesting he reading. I'm not sure I buy the it. Situation in order to strike at them, and here uh, he is. I'm not sure I buy that because in like, the end of like the day, the, the end moment is like the end moment is like he gets them, like he yeah, he shoots with them. them, huh? He does chuva and 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 destroys them. Maybe but, he does but, chuva. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe that's what it is. Look at, Read read the story. Say that he 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 prays, and he, and he, he says, asks, "Give me strength. Uh, give me strength to take him down." For for, for he vengeance, say, forgive me. He doesn't say, "Forgive me for my sins." He says, "Give uh, me strength to take him down." So you're gonna just ignore the entire theme of of him hooking up with 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 uh, non Jewish women and 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 struggling yeah. to control his yeah. his sexual nature. You're just gonna yeah, that. no, no, yeah. I don't. I I I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I'm just saying another way to read it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just saying uh, my, the way I understand it story. is no. He's 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 meant to be. Uh, uh, he is a secret agent. He is consorting with the other women on purpose in order to start up. And yet the text tells you that that's he how it used... begins. What's that? The text tells you that's how it begins. Yeah, and he's out there using this system to get into their thing 
and he's always destroying them from within. Like he's he's a he's like a Mossad agent. He's like doing something else here. He's not the regular. It's this is not prescriptive. Don't do don't don't do. We're, we're gonna agree fuck. to disagree. We're gonna agree right. to disagree on that. Yeah, I don't, because yeah, I think I, also I it's a discussion of what I mean by tragic. I mean I think that there's an element of tragic hero here, which is that that there are contradictions within the human soul that cause our destruction when we reach our full realization. I think that that's part of what, what is meant by tragic hero. That in order to become the person you need to be, to be the hero, to do the things you need to do in the world, it is a sacrificial act. And right. if you're lucky, you're only sacrificing yourself. Right. No, you know, that, that's they, that for sure. For sure. It is a sacrifice. That's, that's certainly, he certainly sacrificed himself. That's for sure. And, um, you know, and he taught us, I don't know. Later on, Yoni Netanyahu is going to go to rescue, you know, Jews in, from Uganda, and but, he's going to die along the way. Because yeah, but I don't think it was in harm's way. Yeah, but but do you think it was essential flaws within Yoni's nature that caused him to put himself in harm's way? That did right. That? That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I listen. I I know what you're talking about, and I and I'm and I'm and I'm totally I'm cognizant of it. and I respect it. I'm just saying I'm not so sure. The the I don't I'm not sure sure I buy into it. and and I know there's rabbinic literature on it I'm, I can see a different way where it's like he's not really flawed he's doing that that's his mission he's he's doing it that way that's the way he's playing that one you know what I mean yeah and so I'm not like I'm not like oh like because because the text in the beginning tells you the his parents say to him why don't you just pick a nice Jewish girl? Isn't there a nice Jewish girl? You want right, but he's like he says he's seeking an excuse. I know. Right. And he's he's how, out there messing, he's messing with them. He's picking a fight. He's that's starting up with them. He's he's he's, he's, <laughs> Excuse he's me. God bless you. Uh in any case, def, definitely the Samson story is is an amazing story. And I think it I think in 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 Jewish history, I always thought, by the way, that mm -hmm. the image of him lifting up the gate of the city above his head. Should be a Jewish Aza. image, Aza. right? Yeah. Well, and, now more than ever, perhaps. <laughs> right. You know what? My my mom has a subscription to Biblical Archaeology, Bi Biblical Archaeological Review, and I opened it up, and there was an uncovered synagogue from the sixth century in the north. Uh huh. And it indeed had one of the mosaic images mm -hmm. of Samson lifting the gate above his head. Yeah, taking uh, so it, I, taking I, it to I Jerusalem, by the by. What's that? And taking it to Jerusalem. No, no. not Jerusalem. Mountains of Hebron. Mountains Does it bring of Hebron. No, to the to it says up to the Hare Hebron. Hare Hebron. That's right. right. He walks at Route Thirty Five. He walks up Chotzei Yehuda. I'm, I'm misremembering. In, I remember some connection between that story and Jerusalem. No, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Um, and we have another thing in this Torah portion that I want to talk with you about, which is the uh, priestly blessing. Ah. Uh -huh. Tell me a little bit about that priestly blessing, because like to me, that's like, isn't it? Isn't it the oldest thing that they found until maybe recently? With like the oldest full... written, uh, the oldest biblical verse in the Silver Scrolls um, that they unearthed right next to the Bagan Center, right? Um, from as far as I remember, it's it's Middle First Temple times. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It also, by the way, pokes some major holes in certain aspects of the biblical critical approach, as the claim of like the Levitical. Authors, I'm not so versed in that 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 analysis, but but it's not surprising to me that such a thing would be used basically as an amulet. And the silver scroll was something that was engraved in silver and was rolled up, and they assume was meant to be warm. Like I don't know if you were growing up when you when you were growing up, did you wear a mezuzah? Like when I was a kid, that was like a thing. Did you, uh, did you wear one? 
You know what? I never wore one, but I, I saw kids that did it, and I was like, that's cool. I actually never had a Chai or a Jewish star, or I really never wore any of those. The but mezuzah just, thing was like a thing when I was growing up. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's awesome. similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's exactly what it is. Right. It's not even like, <laughs> you know, as we say. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, aside from that fantastic point of information, as we say, that, 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 that the text has been with us in recognizable form for that long, um, you, there, there is this question of the power of blessing. I find, without even getting into the content, which deserves a word-by-word analysis, just this idea that God says, listen, there needs to be a vehicle for blessing in the world. I could do it myself, but I don't want to hold it all, all myself. Like, 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 I want to give humanity a capacity to bring blessing. Right? If you think about Abraham's first real attachment in the land comes from the blessings that he gets from Malchitzedek, you know, king of Shalem, of Yerushalayim. And, right. and in fact, his whole life is bound up with blessing and gives him the power of blessing. And this travels down through Abraham, Yitzhak, and, and Yaakov. If you follow the stories of Genesis, they're all bound up. Who's going to get the blessing? How does the blessing happen? You know, and then, and then, and then through our own and his sons, it's, it becomes almost a class of people who have this power of blessing. But what's so beautiful, in my eyes at least, is that that when the let's call it social structure that that made that blessing accessible more or less dissolved with with the end of the temple, I'm sure wouldn't give up on it. So, so first of all, you have the the priest's blessing. In the synagogue, you know, outside right. of the land of Israel, at least for Ashkenazim, they only do it on the on the uh, festival holidays. That, you know why? That, by the way, that is something that I that is one thing that I really dislike about being it's, outside of the land of really Israel. Hard, but you're meant. Do you realize you're meant to dislike right. it? Do you know why the, the the Ashkenazim only do it on the festival holidays? The Ramah says explicitly because you need to bless with happiness, and he's like in exile. We can't be happy except on the festivals. Well, you Which can really why, feel it. If, if you're used oh. to here here in Israel, if you're used to getting the priestly blessing in the morning, and then you're outside of the land of Israel, and you're just like, you're like hey, where's my dose of love? Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, that and that's even further. And this is what I really find beautiful is that is that you know we're a fairly conservative people, small c, um, when it comes to how we mess with our verses. And the roles, I mean, a Kohen is a Kohen is a Kohen. You don't get to just, like, you know, sign on for that. And yet, every Friday night, yourself, myself, and, you know, and, and Jewish parents all over the world just step right into the role of priest and give our children a blessing. That's right. And, and, and it is such a, to me, a powerful experience of, of saying, I'm not a priest. I'm just a regular Israelite. But here in my home, at my table, which is like the altar that God lets I'm us I'm the big on, kahuna. Uh, and not just the big kahuna. Like, that's, I'm like that all week, you know. But, you know, I, that I can bring blessing into my children's lives. That's right. That's right. I think it's just a, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful aspect of Torah, which deserves to be explored and expanded. Love that. Love that. That's and and that's and you've put words to something that that, that 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 I think a lot of us feel that Friday night blessing for the children. Like, yeah, I'm I'm the priest here. I'm gonna I gotta bless my children. I gotta bring that blessing to the world. Uh, last thing about the priestly blessing, which is one of the most exciting finds that I have found in Torah in my whole life, which is if you look at the Rashi on uh, on the second verse, which is Ya'er Hashem may God light His face to you and, and send you grace. Uh, Rashi says Ya'er. He says may He He will send you Panim Tzuhubot Panim Sochakot Panim Tzuhubot. He'll send you a smiling face, a yellow face. Right. And I'm like. A yellow 
smiling face? <laughs> you mean a smiley? And it's like, yeah, God will send you a smiley. He will send you a smiley icon. You will, you will like get a smiley. You will feel the smiley. And anybody who ever sent a smiley in his life knows it's like a great way to send a, a, a smile. A smile. Right. And and somebody said to me in the airport, they're like, I looked at somebody and he said to me, is a pani meirot. What a you know light you face do. you have. You got and I'm you just like, lot, I'm just like, may God send you a smiley. Like when you think of God, think of smiley. Think maybe yeah, sometimes, right? Yeah. Sometimes I see a smiley on a on a car hanging from a car uh, uh, a mirror. I'm like, good. You know, may God be in your life, and thank you for sending that signal out to 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 uh, to all of us. It's it's not to in any way lower God's messages to us to a smiley, like oh. but like emoji whatever icon emoji I meant. Uh, but like yeah, like may may you feel God's smiley emoji to you in your life. You know, this, this is not a small thing. I in in my counseling, uh, I'm seeing more and more how difficult it is for people to feel happy. I don't mean happy like look at this Rev Mike look 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 at the text look at the text Michael Nixon writes the Kohanim blessing in Shul sounds so mournful but this rabbi Rev Mike tries to convince us it's joyful any comments I mean just read the text <laughs> that's, a, that's my, my primary comment I mean like it, it, it's it's true the sort of like strange atonal um you know nusach that we have is is not the most joyful and I can't um I can't speak to that I don't know where it comes from um I've heard people make all kinds of claims but but the the content also the blessing that the priests say before is uh, uh, you know is ba'ahava right that, that God commanded them to, to to bless us with love and you know how real that is do you know that if a kohen is berogas he's angry with someone in the in the congregation he's not permitted to go up for the blessing I only know this person, law that you're saying because there was in our synagogue somebody who I figured out was a kohen. And I'm like, and then I like ask somebody like, so why isn't he going up to blessing? And he's I like, he's been fighting with exactly. Larry for 20 years. Yeah, he's like angry with this other dude in in the synagogue, and therefore he does not bless the congregation. I was but like, no, oh my god! But notice the importance there. It's not that he's angry with Larry, and therefore when he gets up there, he excludes Larry. He's angry with one guy in the congregation, therefore he cannot do it. Wow, wow! And it. and Michael and Michael says, yes, I'm not up with the Hebrew. Good answer. Absolutely, and Michael, uh, look into into the blessing, and you'll see it is indeed filled with love. Rav Mike Foyer, I want to wish you a, a wonderful Shavuot. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, I want everybody to check out uh, your your websites and your spiritual counseling. Uh, so it's ravmike.com. That's co. Yeah, no, no, ravmike.com for for ravmike.com and JewishStory.co and JewishStories.co. We're we're heading to the end of season five. I'm excited. Got big plans for season six. How many episodes was the Lebanon War show? Like five? Five episodes. And then I, I did a, a little bit of a wrap-up interview on Menachem Begin with uh, Daniel Gordis. So That's right. Like That's right. Five plus. I, I, I actually have them all, like all five lined up to, to listen to. So I hope I'll, I'll take a nice long jog and, and get the whole thing through. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> so thank you for that show called The Jewish Story on the Land of Israel Network. Of Mike Foyer, thank you so much for joining us. And people can also connect with you for amazing spiritual counseling. And I want to wish you a great Shavuot. And as you said, may we receive the Torah and inscribe it in our hearts. All right. I will see you at Sinai. Thank you. 
All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. Rav Mike Foyer joined us uh, today, uh, and that was awesome. I want to thank Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, and Lou for joining us on the show today. Uh, all those for helping the show go out, and Lou for joining us and helping produce the show today. Uh, and many, many great sponsors make this show happen, including prohibitionpickle.co.il, making the great platters for Shabbat and for, for your stay here and for people that you love in the land of Israel, prohibitionpickle.co.il. Uh, check out jewishpress.com and jns.org. People ask me all the time about great news websites, so jns.com and uh, and uh, jewishpress, no, jewishpress.com and jns.org. And, of course, the Hebron Fund, Check out uh, Hebron Fund, uh, that's how it's spelled, H-E-B-R-O-N-F-U-N-D.org to support the tombs of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron and also to come on a great trip. So check out hebronfund.org. And also uh, a, a shout out to uh, the good folks at jbrick, jbrick.com, that make great Jewish Lego. And there's a great uh, 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 presents that you could buy for your kids or maybe even for yourself. I love Lego, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as well. So we have a lot of sponsors to the show. And really appreciate you guys being there. Uh, if you want to help continue to sponsor the show yourself, like directly go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. Uh, easy enough. Uh, and also, of course, if you want to support our bigger projects, for example, the beautification of the tomb of Ruth and Yishai, uh, you could do that at, uh, at YishaiFleischer.com and check out the donate page and our projects page there. So more great stuff is on the way. And indeed, uh, we are sending you blessings from the land of blessings. Send us those blessings back. May we be continuously connected in the ways of Torah and in the paths of the land of Israel, in the footprints of the forefathers and mothers. God bless you. Stay tuned. Stay stay connected. Stay part of the story. And be active because we're alive for a reason. This is our time. More great stuff is on the way. Lots of love and shalom. You're listening to the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com, broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world.